right. Hi, guys. So I have a few for you tonight. Um, first, I saw that someone was feeling like they're in a, a jail cell financially. I saw this very clearly. And you've actually been saying this. And um, I just took a moment and pictured you saying that you've constructed this cell for yourself. And I saw the jail cell constructs in your mind being blown down with tremendous force, allowing you to walk freely into green pasture financially. Um, The next is someone with sickle cell anemia. Uh, And I saw your cells as perfectly round and full functioning, um, just functioning perfectly in your bloodstream. And I actually took a moment to just feel what it would feel like for the blood to rush through your veins. And I saw that this gives you a ton more energy. And I saw that this um, brings some hair growth back to you because that's been a thing for you. And I I just felt you feeling confident and happy. Um, And I love this because I... Uh, I love when God just shows us the little stuff. He cares about it. If it's important to us, it's important to him. So um, someone wants a very specific pair of brown cowboy boots. And you've been saying, uh, saving, excuse me, but something has derailed you from getting them. Maybe you had to spend your money on something else. I just took a moment and pictured you lion dancing in your boots at like an outdoor wedding. And I saw that maybe you've been wanting to take a girl out and maybe you get a chance to take her to this wedding. So that's exciting. Go get your boots. Love it. No, it's cool. Because here's, you, you get these two, like we get emails all over the world, no doubt, right? Ash, like daily. And just going, I don't know what you guys are doing, but everything's working now. This happened to me and it's like daily. So that's really cool. So keep them coming. Um, all right, you ready for a doozy tonight? I shared a little bit Thursday. <laughs> Maybe it's you, man. You're from Austin. You're looking for boots? No? Oh, okay. I said, we'll go out afterwards and get some boots. Your wish is fulfilled. So uh, anyway, um, Christ in you. I think you guys got it a little bit last week too, didn't you? Like when you really share the scriptures, it's like, um, as I was sharing Thursday night, I was like, I'm more in love with the scriptures now than I've ever been because actually reading it how it was written, the Hebrew perspective, it's real. It's like every story makes sense. You don't have to make it up. Everything fits, and, uh, and it's the same story over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and, and you'll, you get the rip. I was sharing with a, a friend, Lorene, today from Ohio, because she had asked a question, and I said, no, I, I haven't looked at the story of John the Baptist and Jesus, but I guarantee you I know what it is, and so I kind of incorporated some of that today. It's, it's, the whole story, guys, is there's two births, and uh, the first birth, we're born out of a woman, and we're flesh, we're the hairy man. God became man, is what the writers wrote, so that we could learn to become God. The end, up, the end state is Jesus Christ, like Christ in us, the hope of glory. So all these stories you'll see go from, how, we're all born natural, how do we become supernatural? How do we walk in the spirit? How do we uh, go from the carnal mind, where everything's ruled by our physical senses, to realizing Jacob actually surplants, the spiritual man surplants the physical man, Esau, and then become Israel, the man who rules as God. That's what the whole story is about. And so that's what the writers said. They said, God became man so that we could learn to, to go back to our true origin, which is him. Isn't that interesting? So you always see the natural man going to the spiritual man, and you see the carnal mind going to the mind of Christ, and then you realize the mind of Christ actually controls this whole thing. When he, when he says, I've given, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom, his royal rule and reign, he means it. It's like everything here is, you can run this thing. Isn't that amazing? 
It's pretty wild when you start getting into it. And that's where I think our, our prayer times are easier and easier, aren't they? We're just going, uh, this is all we do. And we, we, we envision it, we feel it as if it's real and know it's going to happen. And that's what we're trying to get across to everybody here, um, that it really is like that. And so there's, there's, a, there's a verse that's really been like bubbling up within me the last couple of weeks that's, that says, to the pure, everything's pure. Meaning that when we come to pure love and forgiveness, we see everybody else as pure. We don't see them in any physical state. We see them through the Christ identity. We see them whole. We see them abundant. We see everything working. And in the kingdom, everything's shalom. Everything's in order in the kingdom, isn't it? It says to the pure, when you really see it pure, you don't judge. Like, wow, I've heard all these messages before. But it, it's really fascinating when you start taking it real. Like the scriptures, you know, sometimes people are like, they're misunderstanding. They go, so you're saying, Right? I said, I'm not saying anything. Tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like I did Thursday night, I, I cut and pasted everything from Scripture and the concordance. So you can't say I'm making this up because it'll rock you a little bit. You're going, what the? So I was telling Barb, I go, it's, maybe it's my personality now. It's like sometimes I watch the different services and it's like, get the popcorn out because what's going to come out is folly. You know, it's, once you understand how Scripture's written, and they're doing it. I mean, we all go through this, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than. Here's, if you take it literally, it's a mess. It really is a mess. And the next time I hear somebody go, the Bible clearly says, I know for a fact folly is going to come out of their mouth the next, like, it's going to come out. And it's kind of humorous to me. You th- I like to laugh at it. I was like, look at this. I go, God, I used to believe that, though, right? So, <laughs> so I don't know whether to laugh or cry, so my personality, I just laugh about it. So, but it's so good. It's so good. So wouldn't it be really cool if, uh, if we really believed that he did give us his royal rule and reign? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be interesting if we actually believed that? And so everybody's waiting for the governments on whose shoulders? Jesus's, right? But the New Testament says, you and he are one. The glory I've given him, he's given to you, and he's given, it's the Father's good pleasure to give us his glory, his royal rule and reign. Well, if we have God's royal rule and reign, isn't that on our shoulders, the Ark of the Covenant? Starting to get all the symbolism. He's like, you're gonna realize that it's been on your shoulders the whole time. Your heart and minds are divine gifts that actually, and that's why I love the science behind it because it's so fascinating to me. So, but let's get into this. So anyway, um, this will help you kind of like a guide if we go to this first slide. When you start getting the hang of it, you'll see every story is the same, like I said. So it all points to, like I said, being born in the flesh and you see all the different examples. You know, for very first one, Cain and Abel, Right? And then, you, then it goes to Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob, John the Baptist to Jesus. Barabbas and Jesus on the cross is the same story. It's really fascinating when you start looking at all of it. It's one was born first, the flesh man, and it's learning to become your true identity, which is Christ in you, go, rising up to the full stature and measure of Christ. Doesn't it say that's what we're supposed to do? And so, as I, uh, Beth kind of hit on a little bit, so if you go look at the Greek word for sheep, where in Luke 15, where I was sharing last week, like all the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Sheep, if you look at it, is just somebody who walks forward. It's not bad, right? It's like somebody who walks forward. And that right there should tell you, unless you walk around doing that, that you cannot take all of it literally. It's like, come on, are you really a sheep? No, I don't think so, right? It's like, no, there's a meaning behind it. So we've mistaken the, we've taken the literal, 
the littleness of this book and, dis- and destroyed the beautiful message, in my opinion. Whereas uh, we've taken the book and forgotten the message within it. We've made the book more important than the meaning. We've taken the letter more important than the spirit, is what it says. And so once you understand the symbolism and the spirit behind it, guys, it is the most intricate, amazing work that the ancient writers have written. Because like, people go, so you don't believe it? I go, I believe it way more than you. I really believe that. I believe it, actually. I believe how it's written. And it's the most wonderful thing in the world when you get it. So sheep means something walks, walks forward. And so if you're walking backwards, it literally says looking at your tail. So it's looking at past results, trying to get something different. Like looking at my past, looking at if I'm walking, if I'm a sheep is somebody who walks forward. But if I'm looking like this, I'm going to fall off. That's why it says the blind will lead the blind, right? And he's talking to the religious leaders. He's going, you don't understand what this all is. You're just as blind as them. You're going to lead them into a pit, right? And they're going to fall off and don't know where to go. So... And we all see, right, we're told to walk by faith, not by sight. So walking as a sheep is not work walking with our external senses. It's learning to walk upright. It's learning to walk with an elevated mind. So it's going, I realize that everything I see with my physical senses is walking backwards. I'm not designed to live that way. I'm designed to see what I want within, and it conforms to what I'm doing with inside here. Now I'm walking as a sheep. Does that make sense to you? Like when you're, when you're blind or walking backwards. And so Romans 4, you guys are all familiar with that. My favorite translation is, is this is the faith of Abraham and this is how we're supposed to walk, is literally walking by faith. And it's not nearly as hard as, it's, it's not about trying to build your faith or getting into the word more or anything like that. It's simply using the gifts you already have. He's given you a divine heart and mind. That's the authority of, of, of the believer is what it says. It's a fascinating thing. So, what did he say? He says, we look at something we don't like in the scene, and if we go, oh my gosh, look what's happening to me, we're walking backwards. We're looking at what's happening in our physical uh, reality and going, wait a minute, I know I have the wisdom in Christ. I have the mind of Christ, which is Christ is defined by Paul in Corinthians as I know what to do, and I have the power to do it. It says, the wisdom and power of Christ, of God. Christ in you is the wisdom and power of God. So in every situation, we should know, oh, I know what to do, wisdom, and I know I have the power to do it. Doesn't that make it simple? What do I do? Really simple. We see what we want to see as if it's real, and what we do in the unseen becomes seen. Doesn't it sound like Jesus? Prayer's not out here, is what he's saying. He's like, go into your closet. I forget who it was in the fellowship the other night. He's like, oh yeah, there was a huge construction thing here. People actually built closets in their place. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you're the temple. No, stop. Go away, right? That's not how it works at all. So you get this. We can go on, right? So I want to get into the scripture. It's pretty fascinating. So if we go to the next slide. Um, <clears throat> all right. So you ever thought about this? Like John talks about this. Colossians talk about this. So in the beginning, there was God, right? There had to be beginning. What's the beginning? God. So anything that's created had to be created out of something. So everything that you see is created out of what? God. Like, like that should be common sense, right? Everything that is, is, is created out of him. And that, well, that's why I think when he says, I am light, the science behind it is beautiful. Like, what we know now is everything we see is little packets of photons, which are little pieces of light. And what you do with your heart and mind actually arranges those photons and something becomes real. Like science is actually confirming scripture. It's so cool to me. And so 
when you really start understanding that, it's limitless. Like we're swimming in him is what Colossians says in John. It says everything that is is in him and there's nothing outside of him. So everything responds to the original creation, which is light and love. Because the whole thing works by light and love. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if we actually believed that? So all those scriptures, I don't need to keep going over them, but it's like if he's giving us everything we could ever need for life, and to act like God, godliness. I've already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. What are we lacking? Nothing. We're just lacking how to do it, right? And that's unfortunately, most of my Christian life is I was taught about God. I was told to read about God in the Bible. Um, Do this more, do that more, as if I was lacking something. Versus, you're not lacking anything. You're complete in Christ. Here's how you do it. That would have been so nice for me, right? Because I'm a practical guy at the end. I almost got on a fist fight my first missions trip I went on with all the pastors. That's what started me on this journey. Barb knows I shared this the other night in the fellowship because I'm with, I'm, it's like me and another guy were the only non-ministry guys and all the pastors there and I was so pumped. I, like, it's like when you first get saved, right? You're like, this is the most radical thing in the world. So I'm reading, at the time I was reading Psalm 91, actually, and I'm showing the pastors, I'm going, look at this. We run the whole show. And uh, I was so excited about it. Because I'm like, I actually believe this stuff. And I read John 10. It's like, we are all Elohims is what it says. And scripture can't be broken. I'm all pumped up. And the pastor goes, well, you can't take that literally. And I was like, I probably said some bad words. Like, I'm totally confused. You just told me it's literal. And the first thing that I get excited about, I show you. And you tell me I can't take it literally. Where do we draw the line? I came home so frustrated, didn't I? I was like, these guys are clowns. Like, I'm more confused now. I was like, what is happening to me? And then the one guy where I almost got in a fist fight, he goes, Mike, I don't want to pull spiritual rank on you. But I do this for eight hours a day. I'm like, well, you suck at it. Because I'm just getting started and I think I believe this more than you, you know? It's like, oh. So that's where I was like, you know what? I'm going on a journey and I'm going to go figure this out. And so this has been my journey. And it's like the most beautiful thing now. I'm like, it actually is literal, but not how you read it literally. It's actually beautiful. It's actually radical. We actually can believe Psalm 99 or Psalm 91. We actually can take it literally, not as it's written, but the meaning behind it's literal. Does that help you guys? So you'll, you'll start seeing that in all the stories. So don't do what I did. Barb just knows I got a little, I was, I was still rugby player mentality that time. I was like, I'd rather just hurt you right now than, than be a loving Christian. So that sounds like no fun at all. Although, so Brent Leslie, I know Jim, we're, we're going to the Rugger Fest this year. You guys want to go? It's a blast. It's Aspen. It's, it's one of our first dates. It's the Aspen Rugger Fest. Yeah, I want to I rent like a big bus for everybody else to go. We'll do church up in Aspen that weekend. It's the most fun thing in the world. It's like really world-class rugby too, isn't it? It's, re- it's really good. So I think they're having it this year. Last year they didn't have it. So it's like September 24, so it's whatever that is. It's like late September. And you want to go, just let's go, man. I'll, I'll, I'll rent the bus and you guys can figure out where you want to sleep, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, it's the best. I just love it. So we'll do church up there. Anyway. 
Everything's available. We're completing the anointing, which is Christ. It says we're completing Christ. Christ is the wisdom and power of God. It says once you know what Christ actually is, you'll know what to do in every situation and you'll realize you actually do have the power to do it. The power of God, there's no other power. There's no other power. And even if you believe in other powers, if you have the power of God, there's no fight, is there? Like, well, I don't have to war against something else if I have the power of God. We just show up. We run this show, is what it says, right? So, what they don't realize is the kingdoms within. They don't realize your heart and mind are the, are the, the, the divine talents where, where the parable of the talents, he's like, what are you doing with the talents? What are you doing with the gift that's given you? And it's not like, you've been given this gift as an athlete, so you need to be a pro athlete. That's fine, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, what are you doing with me? What are you doing with, with Christ within you? Are you judging others? Or are you taking that wisdom and power of Christ? And this is why I think the prayer group is so fun to me and so easy. Um, well, here's just an example. Like Debbie from, from uh, Thailand, I think it was Tuesday when we did the whole prayer for... Um, everything going on in India and Thailand and, and uh, with COVID and everything else. So it was like, well, we know what to do. We have the wisdom and the power of God. It's like, this isn't that big a deal. And so what was really good is we, we just got everybody together who kind of understands prayer. We didn't bind COVID. We would have got more of it, right? We didn't come against COVID. We would have got more of it. So here's all we do, guys, is we see ourselves whole, we see ourselves loved, we see ourselves vibrating perfectly, we see ourselves in perfect joy and perfect health, and then see it literally flowing out of you into India, into Thailand, and literally the whole world. To the pure, everything's pure. You know what to do. If I need to change anything, I go, oh, I'm not going to walk by my senses and what I see. I'm just going to see how I want it to be. It doesn't seem like you're doing much. The next day, I get an email from Debbie. She's like, it went down 46% that night. Like, you might say that's a statistical anomaly. I don't think so, right? Like, isn't that cool? That's what we're trying to teach you guys to do is like, we actually run this. Wouldn't that be cool? So anyway, now, does scripture talk about this? It's kind of review, but I, I really want to show you that all the scriptures talk about that. The Hebrew word for potter, you all know what a potter is. Somebody who shapes the clay, who shapes the earthen vessels, Right? So it literally says, a potter is your divine imagination. You go to Strong's, it says, it's your mind, your divine imagination, literally. And it's Yad Zod Resh. Yad is the strength of the power of God or the finished work. Zod is, is like a, it's a fish hook, literally. It says, it draws to it and attaches you to anything you do in the mind. Resh is the man's, mind's head. Isn't that fascinating? So it says, your divine imagination, Christ in you, the mind of Christ is, you learn to trust that what you're doing within, what you see within, literally bends, shapes, and creates reality. It rearranges literally the light of God. Everything's made out of, of light. It rearranges into what you want. All creation responds. Isn't that fascinating? That's why I think the studies are just cool. They, they have people that, that know how to meditate. And really, meditation, guys, is just seeing what you want and staying fixed on it. There's nothing hard about it. It's not weird. It's not... It's... It would be better for you to meditate than your, your wandering mind all day. Put it that way. Most of you guys are right? like all over. Like you're getting what you want, which is chaos. <laughs> That's probably not what you want, but you're getting what, who you are right now. And it's like all over the place. If you just go, you know what? I'm going to see all things pure. Instead of seeing chaos, everything's in shalom in the kingdom, in God's eyes. Nothing's out of order. Let's see like he sees. And when we see everything as loved, and we, we see them in their current state, and we go, huh, 
If somebody's poor, do you want to be poor? I want to be poor. You? So he says, do unto others as you'd want to do to yourself. It's just the, it's the golden rule, really. It's like, oh, poor is not fun. I've tried that. It's not as fun. Let's see them abundant. Let's see them telling us, I don't know what you guys did, but there's more money coming in than I've ever had. We've got these divine contracts now. Things are just happening like never before. And it's nonstop, isn't it? It's nonstop. The, the simpler we keep this thing. And so it works. It's like, you're going to realize that you have the mind of Christ. It's always been on your shoulders, right? So anyway, um, I love what Dr. K. Fairchild, let my post where I put that, she writes, you're right, Mike, it's potter equals to determine. And it literally says divine imagination to form a resolution. Oh, I know what to do. I'm going to resolve this problem. I'm going to resolve this, this problem. But nothing's out of order in the kingdom. We determine to engage our divine imagination and form a resolution to any apparent need we have. We cannot be needy because he's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that is and is available is already yours right now. Everything. Right? If we're a joint heir, is anything available to Christ? Then everything's available to us. Has to be. Right? So, if there's ever something going on in our life, it's just we haven't taken the time and realized that we have the control over this thing. We can simply, repent literally means this. And I'll talk about this a little bit. Like, we literally can heal our past, present, and future. Literally. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be great? And he's, the, the scripture says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's really, if you go through the book of John, go look at all the I am statements, it is awesome when you take it literally. Because he says, God is. God is present tense. There was no future tense in Hebrew to the writers. Guess what? They don't write in future tense. Greek puts it into future. They never did, Right? They never did. They said everything's now and right now. Now's the time. You can, so when you see somebody in lack, you can see them, like I said, just going, you know what? I see them telling me things are the best they've ever had. And if we trust what we just did there, that will show up. We've actually used the talents of God, the Christ within us, the wisdom and power of God, to not see how things we, that they currently are. We see them how we would like them to be, and it becomes You've lifted that person out. You've, you've truly forgiven them. Forgiveness, we, because it's been misinterpreted, forgiveness is this. I forgive you, sweetie. No, and then the next three weeks, I'm festering. <laughs> That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness, literally, to the Hebrew was, Huh. I didn't like what just happened to me. Before I go to bed tonight, I am going to make sure I forgive all debts, meaning I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm going to recreate. I'm going to quickly, like I was sharing you last night, the un, the, last week, the, um, the unrighteous servant. He's called us all to be the unrighteous servant, meaning don't, don't engrave, don't put in stone what you don't want. Before you go to bed, rewrite the story, is what he's saying. So forgiveness is literally, I'm going to replace what's happened that literally just happened to what I would have chosen to happen and see the whole thing unfold exactly how I wanted it before I go to bed. Ah, now he gives to the beloved when I sleep. It actually heals that memory. It's not even there anymore. And it goes forward into what I wanted. Isn't that wild? Forgiveness literally is recreate it. Rechange the story 100%. Don't even fester on it. If you have anything against anybody, see them in their true identity. That was forgiveness to them. I'm like, God, that's so rich. Tough sometimes, but rich, isn't it? 
So good to me. Anyway, isn't that good? I love what Kate Fairchild wrote. So, all right, ready to get into some really crazy stuff? In fact, let me just read this. I found, uh, I found that, I, I shared this last week, but I was just trying to do it by memory. Um, Joe Dispenza actually talks about this in Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself, but it's an Israeli study. This, this article is from uh, ellisnelson.com, E-L-L-I-S, and then Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N.com. And if you wrote Stepping Out of Time on Google, you'd find the article. But uh, this is actually in Joe Dispenza's book, How to be, Break the Habit of Being Yourself, too. So he says, this is about healing the past, present, and future by one event. So we're taught to think in terms of linear time. Our whole lives are guided by the concept that one event precedes another and that consequences come from causes. We tell our, our life stories from the beginning and only in the middle age do we look back connecting events that tell our story. Even this perspective blind, binds us to this linear time. And yet we have all experienced time's peculiarities with, which opens up in wonder that we can lose complete time when doing something we enjoy. We've all been there, right? It's like daydreaming and, or a new song, a song comes on that you remember a really fond memory in high school. You're like, oh man, it's so good. That's why music is so therapeutic. So Einstein said the separation between past, present, and future is only illusion, although a convincing one. Here we see Einstein speaking like a mystic. Why should this surprise us? I'm reading Joe Dispenza's book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. <clears throat> How to lose your mind to create a new one. That's true forgiveness, actually. You create a new story. And it actually heals the past. So Dispenza takes the notion of linear time by examining an experiment done in 2000 by an, an Israeli doctor. Watch for the zinger. So Leonard Levovici, MD, conducted a double-blind randomized trial of 3,393 hospital patients all suffering with sepsis, a blood infection. So 3,300 double-blind is a pretty, you got a pretty good statistical, um, you, can, you can trust the t- statistics in this. So Leibovitchi was interested in whether prayer could affect patient outcome. So the patients were divided with half being prayed for and half not, meaning the people that you're praying for, you don't know uh, who you're getting, what you're praying for, right? There's a, there's a control group that nobody's praying for these guys, and then the computer's spitting out people randomly, to the, and then you prayed for the other half. So <clears throat> some of you guys that slept through your statistics class, I'm just trying to make it easy for you. Um, Dr. Leibovitch collected data on the length of the fever, the length of stay in hospital, and death as a result of the infection. Turns out the prayed, the prayed for patients all had reduction in fever, short of hospital stays. The results may shock some, but science has been doing prayer studies for quite a while. Healing Words, The Power of Prayer and the Practice of Medicine by Dr. Larry, Larry Dossie, MD, uh, is one of the best. The truly mind-numbing thing, you guys know this, but a lot of, there's new people online, not constantly. So the truly mind-numbing thing about the study is that those praying in 2000, so the study was done in 2000, they were praying for people that were in the hospital from 1990 to 1996. Meaning, if we pray in 2021 today, there's no time in the Spirit, there's no time in Christ. Somehow, the end from the beginning, I am the, the left off, I'm the beginning and the end, the Spirit knows that, oh, these people are going to pray in Colorado Springs for something going on in 2011. And what they're doing in future time is going to heal this time because there's no time in Christ. That's pretty cool. Come on, guys. Nobody else thinks that's cool. Like you pray for somebody, you don't know that, they, oh, then they, they told them later. So <clears throat> the conclusion drawn here is the patients who were prayed for in 2000 actually got better in the 1990s. I love this. I love this. Because I'm like, praise God. 
I've been mildly stupid sometimes in my life. I can rewrite the story and not have to live in the past. The sheep, here you walk by faith, not by sight. And true forgiveness, guys, is literally rewrite the story that you didn't want and write it as you did want. That was the unrighteous servant, the whole thing. A righteous meaning I'm not gonna balance the scales by anything in the physical. I know the report says this. I know your bank account says this. I know your relationship says this. I'm gonna quickly take it and write 50 and 80, which was, I'm gonna quickly go from the, the physical to the spiritual, and I'm gonna declare jubilee that there's literally no debt in this. 50 was jubilee in the, and being at Pentecost, totally being immersed in the spirit. I know the nature of the spirit is what it was. Isn't that interesting? And so what you do before you go to bed, you rewrite it exactly how you wanted it to be as if it happened and you, and you go through that. I shared those testimonies last week, that lady who was, you know, hip surgery or she had hip challenges for 39 years from an event when she was three or four when she fell off a swing. And all she did was replayed that event before she went to bed every night, jumping off the swing and going, look, mom. And she goes, I pictured myself landing perfectly. And right when she started to do that, hip problems went away. She literally rewrote quickly. Sit down and rewrite your story is what the unright, un, unrighteous servant says. Isn't that interesting? That was another one I almost got because I was trying to get these pastors like, it doesn't say that, guys. I know what you're, you're, you're saying. You're, you're teaching what you've been taught, but the book doesn't say that. He says, we need to emulate the unrighteous servant. The master is really happy when we when we don't keep debts against the people and we walk in brotherly love. Well, that's not realistic. Here we go again. Is it lit? Not lit? I was just so frustrated. Like, what the? I'm free now. I really am. It's like so free. And I go, oh, I get it. It all makes sense. Amen? We walk by this. We truly do walk by the Spirit. That's how it works. So, everybody good? All right, you ready for some zingers? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <sighs> all right. If you start in Mark 11, see, all of us grew up with Mark 11, 23, 24, any, any of the faith movement, whatever, we're all very familiar with it, right? I think we didn't know anything it said. I really don't. Have you ever seen anybody throw a literal mountain into a literal sea? The greatest faith pastors ever, have they ever been able to do it? <laughs> and they all keep going, if we had the faith, we could do it. I'm like, you're gonna be shocked at what it actually says. It's actually easy. Isn't that refreshing? To me, it's refreshing. Like, you made this easy for me? Yeah, my God. A five-year-old needs to be to do this. Good. <laughs> Good, because that's me sometimes, right? It's like, all right. The whole thing's double entendre. You know what double entendre is? jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why I actually quoted Webster's and Wikipedia to show you. So if you start in Mark 11, it says the whole thing's double entendre. If you get a good concordance, it'll actually say, this is double entendre. These stories are double entendre. Here's what it says. There's, a, there's, the, there's what's written, but what's implied is so sexually explicit, it's embarrassing to write it. That's double entendre. I'm gonna show you. But if you start in Mark 11, here's what it says. When you enter into Bethpage and Bethany, when you enter into the house of dates, and figs. Yarushalam. I'll show you what Yarushalam is. Yarushalam literally is to shoot and cast out God and mighty seeds of nature. 
Double entendre, right? And you will attach, you're going to find a unridden filly there and you're going to attach it, your choice vine to it. That's how Mark 11 starts. I'm not even going to go through it. Every story is the same, guys. Hello? Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, Mark 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem. It doesn't say Jesus entered. It says, when you enter into Yerushalam, when you enter in, Yerushalam, Yara is to shoot or cast out El as God or mighty seeds of nature. Is anybody getting this? You're going to enter in and you're going to go into the temple courts. It literally says into the secret place. The whole thing's double entendre. Remember this. That's what the, that's what the book says. He looked everywhere around. He explored everywhere in there. But since it was already late, he went to, out to Bethany with the 12. Now, 12, if you look at 12, how you were taught 12, what do you think of 12 when you go the 12? What's, your, what's some image that comes to your mind? 12 guys running around Asia. Your book says it's not. I'm literally cutting and pasting, guys. Okay? Dodeca, 2 and 10. 2 and 10. 2 and 10. 2 and 10. I want you guys to get this. You can, like here, here's like a little cheat sheet. Like you can go, you can go um, pictographs of the Hebrew language. This is one of like a thousand you can find on there. This is all ratted up because I go, oh, what's two and ten? Once you get it, you get it. Like, you, they're all the same story. But if you want a little thing, so immediately when you go two and ten, i.e. twelve, go, your mind should immediately go like this. What does two mean and what does twelve mean? When you say the 99, what does 90 mean? What does nine mean? Your brain should always go this. Quickly write down 50 and 80. You should go, what does 50 mean? What does 80 mean? What does three mean? Right? What does one mean? They actually mean things, okay? So it says 2 and 20, i.e. is used with literal, this is concordance, this is Strong's, right? Is used with literal and figurative meaning in Scripture with both doubled entendre, i.e. conveying both senses at once. If you go look Webster's or Wikipedia, double entendre, a figure of speech that has a double meaning, meaning there's a, there's a, there's a written thing, but it's... What it's conveying is a sexually explicit act. <laughs> Everybody knows what he's talking about. That's, what that's how the Hebrews writers wrote. So one is obvious where the, the author, the other conveys a message that would be to too socially awkward, sexually suggestive, or offensive to state directly. Well, we're stating it. <laughs> so, all right. So let's, yeah, so let's read it. Enter into Yashalam. doesn't say Jesus entered. It says, when you enter in, if you go look at it in Greek, there's nothing, nothing about Jesus there. It says, when you enter in, Yarashalam, to throw, shoot out God, mighty things of nature. All right? Into the secret place, sacred place, and look around, there's a rest. And it already exists at that very moment, is how it's like in Greek. All right. So when you've entered in and you've shot out a mighty seed of God, there's a rest. You guys get this? They're trying to show you the most beautiful, intimate thing of intimacy is what prayer is all about. He goes, if you get a, a male and female together, when a, when a, when a male seed enters a, a female womb, what is created? Seed after its own kind. Is that a miracle or is that a miracle? Is that the miracle working power of God? Come on, guys. Like you, that, I'm amazed when I just study human physiology. Like We are amazing. Like there's no, <laughs> this is a divine act of God. It can be no other way. Like, 
And I can't look at any human being anymore and go, oh, he doesn't have Christ in him. Are you kidding me? Like, how complex every human being is? It's amazing to me. Anyway, so it literally says, um, once you, it's already, and that's an adverb if you go look at it, already, it already exists. And if you go look up already, here's what it says, a temporal adverb. Already now, even now, referring to what is not yet strictly present, but the impact is already present. Meaning the seed has already gone out. When you pray, it's just like a physical seed. Too late, guys. Seed's in. Now just rest. You guys get it? I don't care what you do. You can trust that that seed has the literal power of God to return that kind. And it's going to produce exactly what you just planted out of you. Both physically, in the physical sense, they're showing them something they would understand like, yeah, okay, wow. The same is what you do with your heart and mind. When you see it, and you feel the joy, hey, believe you have received it, and you will, so you can be crammed full, overflowing with joy. It was really fascinating when I was, I was looking at that John 16 verse again. Here's what it says right after that. This is parable. Well, I teach this stuff, and I never read it, because I was like, oh, I think I know what that means. I said, they were teaching in parable. What? Isn't that wild? Go look, John 16. Says, then they go, we don't know what you're sharing. He goes, yeah, because I'm teaching in story. Oh, now we know what you're saying. <laughs> that's what, that's the, how the verse goes. Isn't that interesting? So that's where to me now, I told Barbara, I go, when I start looking, wait till I show you some of these words. You're going to go, that's what it says? No wonder it's a double entendre. But he's trying to give you a beautiful meaning. He's trying to go, guys, as pleasurable as intimacy is physically, prayer should be that pleasurable. You should be crammed full. You should, you should have the same trust that what you do with your heart and mind is like a seed that goes out of you. And that seed has all the power in the world to return exactly how you wanted it to come. And if you turn your back on everything else, you literally repent and, and see what you want to see, it will come to pass for you. That's how powerful you are. That is how the scriptures are written by the Hebrews. Isn't that fascinating? And every story is the same. So it's, it does not sound like walk by faith, not by sight. Hey, the seed's already gone. It's already, that adverb says it's already, referring to what is not yet strictly present. You can't see it in the physical yet, but it's already. It's already had the present effects and it's going to impact everything you see. That's literally that adverb. Isn't that interesting? Then we see this, and then we see, I don't want to go through all the scriptures, but they're all the same story. He's just telling it over and over and over. And then we see the withered fig tree. And I'll get to some of the end here. But withered fig tree, then we'll get to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. But I want to kind of share some of the stuff between. So, um, oh yeah, because I don't want to show you the next slide yet because <laughs> it kind of gives it away. So the withered fig tree. Now how I was taught was incorrect. Once I actually, like, I'm just going to go read this for myself is what it says and not try to make anything up. And it actually makes sense. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? So most of us have this thing like, this is how I was taught. Well, was first I was taught, it's just by faith, curse that tree and it's going to wither up. Isn't it? And then I was taught, that's, that's don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the law. I don't think any of that's right. When I, after I read it, it's actually pretty straightforward. Here's what it says. It says, after this pleasurable thing, everything's present. You can't see it yet, but the effects are already present. That's what it says. And then it goes into... Um, don't, don't change the slides. It says, and then Jesus went out from Bethany and he was hungry. 
You're going to be shocked at actually what that says. It's not even close to what that says. <laughs> Some of you guys know on Thursday night. I, I told Barbara, I go, what? What? No wonder this thing's a mess. And then it talks about the withered fig tree. And it's basically like, learn the lesson of the fig. So if you understand that, here's what he says. See, here's what, I, here's what I've learned. The scriptures are micro and macro at the same time, meaning while we remain, while we're attached to this cross of humanity is what it says, the 400 years is you and I, guys. While Christ is limited in your body and attached to you, you're the cross that you pick up and raise up daily, don't we? We go to bed, we raise these two wooden sticks up every day, and he goes, now walk with the mind of Christ. Realize you're in charge of this thing. Don't walk backwards, walk like a sheep. Moving forward, which is walking by faith, not by sight. And so anyway, and he says, but while you're on that cross, while, we're, while, we're, while Christ is attached to this flesh, fleshly garment that's woven in the mother's womb with hands that we didn't, uh, woven without human hands is what it says. So <clears throat> seed time and harvest shall not cease. And here's what it is. What you do within is what's gonna produce now, there's also the macro part of that, guys, because it says the, the Abraham, the promise to Abraham, even though the law was given 400 years later of seed time and harvest shall not cease. Whatever you do within is how life's going to be. The promise still supersedes the law, meaning all will realize their true origin was Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of us all. Isn't that what it says? It's beautiful, actually. So the macro so let's, let's figure out this lesson of the fig. And it says, and they perceived that the fig was afar off. Remember this language? You perceived that the fig was afar off. And if you go read it in Greek, it says, and then they got nervous and anxious and impatient and went to go check if there was fruit. What were they? They, were, they weren't walking by faith. They're walking by sight. And all they found was leaves. And then it says, it's because the seed's not ripe yet. Hello. That's common sense to me. Has anybody ever eaten an unripened date or fig? Remember, the whole thing starts out when you go into the, fig, the house of figs. Well, who's always the house? We are. So he goes, when you enter in to the house of dates and figs, hallelujah, amen, right? That's what he's talking about there. <laughs> it's actually wonderful. So, but if you eat an unripened date or fig, it's nasty, isn't it? And he goes, because of their impatience, they ran to the tree and wondered if, there was, if, the, if the seed was ripe yet, but it's not time for the ripening. You know, what the, you know what the number for ripening is? 40. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He goes, I don't like the wilderness. I realize I can turn the wilderness into the garden. And he was out there 40 days and 40 nights. It's the time for a seed to ripen. Isn't that interesting? Like, hello. So, and his whole message was, don't eat that tree of anxiety and impatience. The seed's already gone out, guys. And here's what it says. Where it says it, the, the tree withered, if you actually look it up, it says it ripens from the inside out. It says don't look at external appearances. Don't eat from that. Don't eat from what you see outside, right? Because all you're going to see is leaves. Why? Because it hasn't ripened yet. The seed that you did in your prayer, the seed that... When, when the seed goes into a mother's womb, it's not ripe yet, but we know what's going to happen, don't we? We know it. Don't we trust that? And he's trying to tell you, prayer is the same way. It's this beautiful, intimate thing. If you understand the intimacy with a husband and wife, you'll understand prayer. Come face to face with me. 
intimate. I've, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Here's how you harvest it. Simply imagine what you want. It's divine is what it says. Your imagination is divine and life will shape and form exactly how you saw it. Don't worry about how it's going to come, where it's coming. Don't get anxious and go check. Oh, there's only leaves. I can't see anything. No, it's not time yet. The seed is there, but it will ripen. Amen? And it says, wither, literally says, ripen from within. You guys get it. Stop looking at the external. He's saying, what's inside is going to make that fruit come to pass and be delicious for you. Don't eat the tree of impatience and anxiety. Stop looking at everything out here. Learn the lesson of the fig tree. Amen? Now, the macro of that the Hebrews were worried. They're like, I don't know what happens, right? They see, they see an old man wither. Does this flesh wither? You get wrinkly like a, what happens? You don't die. You just ripened within and the full harvest is going to come. You just entered into life. It's the micro and the macro is the whole message there. Because it actually says, you guys in this age, this, the, the Hebrews believed in two ages, this age and the life to come. When this, when this big unripened fig starts to wither and we're not dying we're ripening from within then the full harvest comes that's the lesson of the fig that interesting isn't that good so now you ready for the real doozy all right this is (laughs) all right let's go to the next one this is so i didn't write this this is your book okay the next day when they left the house jesus was hungry the next day it was next day or, or it literally says after the sabbath after you've rested Okay, after you've rested, after the leave in the house of dates, Bethany is literally the house of dates, Jesus was hungry, doesn't say Jesus was hungry. You know what it says? Read it. A male part that sounds a lot like Venus. That's what it says. So here's what he's saying. When, after, after you've left the house of dates, there's a rest. After... It's aorist, indicative, active. Aorist is past tense. It's like, after you've done this thing, there's a rest. Now just rest. The miracle working power of God is going to come. Just like a seed from a husband and woman. So Lily says, hungry from the same as pen. This is quote. This is out of concordance, Okay. Hungry, from the same as penes, to famish, absolutely or comparably, figuratively to crave, be hungered, see Greek, penes, and then they says, penes, peos. You can't, some of you guys that were in a fraternity, you guys get Greek language, or if you're a math guy, you gotta understand it. So it's peos, just trust me, it says peos. If you go to Wikipedia, or the word, like sounds like Venus, taken from the Latin word for tail, from the Indo-European Pesnes and the Greek word peos, which sounds like a male part, sounds a lot like Venus. You getting this? This is your book. Remember it says this is double entendre. Your concordance says these stories are double entendre. The same as intimacy with the husband and wife is how he wants to be intimate with us and give us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've given you everything. You just need to know who you are. What you do with your, with your heart and mind is divine and creates a seed just like physical intimacy and you can trust it so your joy will be full. That's literally what it says. Isn't that amazing? 
Every story is there. So then he says, truly, if I tell you, anyone that says to this mountain. Now we think of a mountain because I was taught the word of faith. So I think of a mountain, even though I've never seen any of them do it. And they all go, if I had enough, I could do it. It's not even what it says. This is so freeing when you get it. Mountain is Septuagint for har. This is why I always go to the Hebrew now because I go, it's not written in Greek, guys. Original was even written in Aramaic, which is very similar to Hebrew. So Septuagint for har. Hey, Resh, a mountain. Double entendre, guys. Behold, hey is what I behold or see. Double, double meaning here. Remember? Double entendre. It says, behold the head which stands above everything else. There's two meanings to this. Our, our head stands above something. The other meaning is, behold. That thing stands above everything else. Right? You getting this? This is Hebrew. When you behold this mountain, there's a lifting up, is literally what it says, a rising up. And something, it's thrown, it says to throw or let go of a thing without caring where it falls. Right? Literally in Hebrew it says, the seed comes out of the head and falls on the beard of man. Hello. I know you guys are like cute little Christians, but this is actually real stuff. This is how it's written, okay? That's why I go, I take this way more seriously now because I really get what it's trying to say. So it says, when you, real, when you see the thing that stands up above everything else and it's lifted up and it casts out something into the sea. Sea is the Hebrew word yam. It's yad mem. All right, what does yad mem mean? Yad, so here's the double entendre. Okay, yad Mem, Yad Mem. So it literally is, <clears throat> Yad is the finished work or the strength of God. Mem is the deep, the deep waters, the deep within. When you get this, guys, it says, when you finished in the house of Bethany, it's finished. Now rest and that seed you planted will come to pass with no effort on your own. You've literally released the might of God. You've you entered into Yashalom. The mighty seed of God that's cast out of you. You don't care where it lands. And it goes into the deep, the sea is Yad Mem, the strength of God within the deep waters within man. You guys getting this? It's not a physical sea. He's trying to get you to understand this. Now he tells you, and when you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that it'll happen, it's done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it. And ask literally as, it's so bad how it's translated. It literally says, if you have a desire, realize it's, everything's been already given to you. And lambano it. Lay hold of it as if it's already yours. See it as if it's real. Feel it as if it's real. And what, when you trust your divine heart and mind, you don't have to have enough faith. Trust the seed is what he's saying. Trust that what you just did in prayer, what you saw, if you're doing it for yourself or somebody else, literally brings them out of their current situation and transforms them into exactly how you prayed. Trust that. That is the mountain being thrown into the deep waters within. Now just trust it, guys. And you'll see it miraculously comes to pass for you. Isn't that cool? That's cool to me. Anyway, you guys okay? Every story is that way if you go look it up. It's all double entendre. <laughs> Jeez. It's, I start laughing, isn't it? Because now when I hear preachers teach, they go, get the popcorn. This is all to be funny what comes out of their mouth. So 
the Bible clearly says, like, no, it doesn't. It very unclearly says a lot of things, but it's clear. It's double meaning. Follow me? That's why I said the letter will kill you, but when you read it spiritually, when you read it how it's actually written, it brings miraculous life. It gets more exciting every time I read it. So anyway, I think I have one last slide and we're done. Uh, oh, you want to, I, I found this testimony too. This is pretty cool. Um, maybe. Here's one about that. So this is just really kind of a cool physical one. Uh, <clears throat> there was a young boy born in perfect health except for a large birthmark covering one side of his face. The doctor said there's really nothing we can do for this type of birthmark. They went to many specialists only, and they only confirmed what was said. The aunt of the young boy was determined to prove this works. What she accepted as real within, even though the facts were opposite, would come into reality. Every time she thought of that young baby boy, she saw in her imagination an eight-month-old baby with a perfect face because she was going to see him in eight months. So all she did was picture this baby. Physically, there's a big birthmark. Nothing wrong with that. She just, I guess the mom didn't want it, you know? So he goes, so I see this, this child perfect, velvet, just perfect, beautiful, satiny skin. This was not easy, but she knew that it, it, in, is, in this case, this is exactly the gift of Abel, which pleases God. Remember, Cain was the physical guy, the first guy, but Abel gave the offering of faith. He goes, God loves when we walk by faith, when we really walk by Christ and see things how we want it to be, knowing that that will come into pass. She persisted in seeing her imagination exactly this way. She believed what was, what was, she believed what was not there as if it was already seen. The result, when she visited her sister after the eight-month birthday, found him to have perfect, unblemished skin with no trace of the birthmark ever being there. That's cool. What you do now heals the past, present, and future. So beautiful to me. Isn't that cool? So let's design a glorious life. So how does this all work? <sighs> if we see anything or anybody, it's as simple as this. Before you go to bed tonight, and like right before you go to bed is so easy. That's what shines in right when you wake up. Because when you, when we're conscious, if you're like me, how fast do I sleep? So yeah, I'm going fat, right? Probably I'd keep you up because I snore or whatever. Like, if I lay down, I'm out, man. <laughs> There's no like, I couldn't sleep last night. Are you kidding me? It's like, no. I, just, I know he gives to his beloved when I sleep, so I try sleep because I'm going to mess it up. But when you go from consciousness and you go into sleep, you literally go into the subconscious, literally, don't you? Like you it's, it's natural. So you go through those scientific stages of alpha, theta, into deep sleep. And there's ways I just shared with you, like you don't have to do them if you think it's too weird, but they work. See, I'm into what works, not... Like, when we pray, I don't want to give them some theological thing. I actually want it to work. I just, that's novel idea, but, Right? When you naturally go, right before you go to sleep, it's, you're really, you're on that, you're almost on that edge where now your heart just easily accepts anything you tell it. So just fall asleep. Seeing exactly how you want life to be, exactly how you want someone else to be. Now trust, that's a seed cast out of you and go to bed. And he gives to his beloved in my sleep because in your sleep, guys, your heart, the limitlessness of God that takes the spirit that's all around us, what we do with our heart and mind literally is the, the miracle shaping power of God I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's government. I don't care if it's the economy. I don't care about anything. You carry the royal rule and reign on your shoulders. Nobody else. He's given it to you. He says, I've given you my royal reign. So the Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
which is how to reign in life in this world. And it's that simple. He had to make it simple enough we could all do it. So you just see what you want. See somebody else exactly how you want them. Not go, oh, let's pray for them and then worry about what's going on or how it's going to happen. That's not how it works. It's as pleasurable as intimacy. It's this beautiful act of creation with the Father. That you're intimate with God himself. Going, I know that what I'm doing is literally face-to-face with God. It's like the miracle-working power of the seed that what I just did. If I can imagine somebody as perfectly healthy, see the joy of them telling us, like, I'm perfectly healthy. Even though they might go through different diagnoses or whatever, that's why some of you guys, this may help you. Don't keep talking about, see the doctor's report come back. Because you, you just, you fake yourself out all the time. See the end as if they're completely healthy. Believe you've already received it. Then you're not worried about a doctor's report, right? Does that help you? Because doctor's reports, half the time they're wrong. Follow me? And that's just walking by your tail. Yep, yeah, this is present. But that's not how we walk. So don't worry about, can you see with us the doctor's report coming back like this? No. See the end. See mom, see you, see grandma, whatever. Fully joyful, pumped up, full of life going, I've never been healthier. Now go to bed. That's it. And don't worry about the doctor's reports. This may happen. That may happen. Who cares how it actually happens? In my opinion, don't you just want the end result? That's how it works. Does that help you? All right. God bless you guys.